And if you got your Bible tonight, turn to Matthew chapter 1. And I did write at the top of my notes here, just as a reminder, um, our precious brother, Steve Robinson, he was one of our security team, and uh, he moved to Inverness and, and uh, moved kind of far away from where we were here. So he joined another church, but Steve is a wonderful brother that we have kept in contact with. And Steve passed away last week. I know many of you know that, but um, he, his daughter, Melinda, wanted me to announce to the church, and I told her I would, that his funeral service is going to be at Bushnell National Cemetery. Steve was a veteran. And that's going to be on December 28th at 2 p.m. December 28th at 2 p.m. If you'd like to pay your respects to the family. And, of course, we will be praying for them and believing that God's comfort would be with them. Amen. I was talking to Leah, and this is, this is the gist of my sermon tonight, but I'm really just going to talk to you a lot tonight and uh, dig into the word here. Matthew, I've been in Matthew since last week studying for this past Sunday sermon. And Lee and I were talking this morning, and we were, how many understand that the holidays can be a magnifier? And what I mean by that is if you're, it's easy to believe God's with you when you're on the mountaintop, isn't it? It's easy to believe God's with you when, if you, you, we've all had Christmases where it just seems like there's enough money in the bank and you get all those wonderful presents that you want to get and it seems like everything's going really well. But there's also those Christmases that I've walked through. I lost my dad literally the 3 a.m. Uh, so December 26th at 3 a.m. They literally had just turned over from December 25th, three years ago. I got a call at 3 a.m. that my dad had passed away fairly suddenly. They had called us on Christmas Day and said, you're going to be, be able to pick your dad up from the hospital. There was COVID going on, of course, and we weren't allowed to visit him during that time. He went to the hospital about three or four weeks before Christmas. And we were talking about that, and we were talking about situations in the church, like our dear sister Lupita, and other situations going on. Where I, I understand as a pastor that it's not all happy holidays at Christmas time. It's not. It's because the holidays really are a magnifier. I actually probably do more crisis counseling in the month of December than I do the other eleven months combined, um, because people feel like as you're walking around, you see the lights, you see all the all the good things going on, and you see people joyful and excited and, and those type of things. But there may be people here tonight that are just walking in a season where you don't feel like it's a Merry Christmas. You don't feel like that, that things are good. And Leah mentioned, she said, you know, it was, and we counted it up, it was 14 years ago today that she lost her oldest sister, Gail, to cancer. Um, so those kind of things come back to our memories, especially if perhaps you've lost somebody right before or during the holiday season. We can feel like, man, everything's magnified. If, if you're walking through a difficult time, Christmas time can absolutely be a magnifier for us. And tonight I want to talk about um, and minister to you that joy is not based on our circumstances. No. Amen. The Word of God tells us in Romans 8 that God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. And then it goes on to tell us what His purpose is. A lot of people stop with God works all things together for good, right? We see that in bios and we see that on social media and, and things like that. And it's a great scripture, but you've got to follow it all the way out that God's purpose for us is to be conformed into the image of his son. 
And we look at our circumstances and we look at the holidays and perhaps you're here tonight and you're like, Pastor, uh, you know, I, I, I'm anything but joyful for, for Christmas. I'm anything but, you know, merry or, or bright and the things that we like to celebrate at Christmas. But church, if God is conforming us into the image of his son and he is, then the circumstances that come along in our life, the fires, the trials and the difficulties are meant to help us be conformed into that image. So there's nothing wasted with God. There's nothing that God wastes in our life. He is always set about taking us and and bringing us more into the image of Jesus. So if you don't have anything to really celebrate in here, Matthew 1, the thought, my favorite thought at Christmas, and I've said it before and I'll probably say it a million more times as long as God allows me to pastor and to shepherd a group of people, The most beautiful thought to me at Christmas is simply this, found in Matthew 1, is his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Because like I mentioned before, it's easy to kind of focus, say, well, yeah, God came at Christmas time over 2,000 years ago. He's born of a virgin. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. He was born. He, He lived at 33. He sacrificed himself on a cross, of course, to pay for our sins. And it's easy to, to look back at that and kind of memorize those things or look at those things. But it's, it's sometimes difficult when you're walking through a dark valley. It's sometimes difficult when you're walking through a place of tears and a place where you're concerned for family members or concerned for people in the congregation that are walking through difficult times. I just want to continue to encourage you to lift up our brothers and sisters, to, to look around for people that maybe you can reach out to, whether it be a neighbor or whether it be a family uh, acquaintance or whatever it is, and make sure, in other words, just check on people, amen? Just check on people. And, uh, and knowing that makes all the difference in the world. Here in Matthew, and I taught on this on Sunday, but here in Matthew I've been just continuing to meditate on this, but look at Matthew 1, verse 23, and this is our scripture verse tonight, one of several. But this is the one I want to minister to you and just tell you that No matter what you're going through right now, God is with us. It says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we're here in your presence and we're opening your holy word. Father, we honor your word right now in this moment. But especially the announcement from the angels to the shepherds that that God, you came to be with us. Lord, that heartens us tonight. That fills us with courage and it fills us with faith. That, Father, you said very clearly that you would come and be with us and you would never leave us nor forsake us. So, God, no matter what circumstance anyone finds himself in tonight, I pray with all my heart that this word ministers to them, that it uplifts them and it helps them, Father, tonight. In Jesus' holy name, amen. The birth, the virgin birth is so vital to the story of Christmas that sometimes we don't, I believe, stop and just ponder the fact that Jesus was born through the Virgin Mary. And perhaps this is why, obviously, that there's two main Christian holidays, as we all know. It's Easter and Christmas. And the first thing that we see here in Matthew that I want to point out is, number one, is this. Jesus is us. Everybody say, Jesus is us. And we talked about this Sunday in the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew begins his gospel with a whole line of people 
that, as like I mentioned Sunday, a whole line of people that I would not have included in my family genealogy. I would not have put Rahab the harlot and, and these others, Tamar who was deceptive and got pregnant through deceptive means. And he comes from a long line of people. So some are children of Ishmael, some of them are children of Abraham, some of them are deceptive, some of them were honest, some of them were really good people, some of them weren't such good people. And Jesus is us, and that connection is important, and here's why. We have trouble sometimes when we end up in a dark place, when we end up in a valley, when we end up through circumstances like I had uh, three years ago when not only did my dad pass away the morning after Christmas, but we also lost a dear brother here in the church that afternoon. And I remember sitting by the fireplace and praying for a man named Rick, who many of you know, and we lost Rick on Christmas Day three years ago. And uh, my mom, I was at my mom's house, and we had a fire going, and, and I had talked to Rick's son, and, and Rick's son said, hey, I, I think he might be, same, same thing I heard about my dad, you know, I think he's getting a little bit better, we're hopeful. And it wasn't just a few hours later that I got the phone call back from him that he had passed away. And I was sitting there, and it, it really weighed on me. It really, having my dad in the hospital, not being able to visit him or see him, talk on the phone a little bit, but not be able to go physically see him, and I hadn't seen him in uh, a year and a half or about a year, year and a half. And those things were weighing on me. And and uh, right up on the wall, I looked up because I felt the Holy Spirit draw my attention to uh, a painting. It was uh, just words painted on a, a plaque type of a thing on my mom's wall. Probably got it at Hobby Lobby, you know, my mom. But it says, even if he doesn't, he's still good. Mm-hmm. And, man, I felt the Holy Spirit just flood into my soul that that – the reason that it should really encourage us tonight that Jesus is us is because we sometimes don't understand Jesus was a man. And I'm going to get to the deity part here in just a second. But I want to start over here with Matthew, where he gives the whole lineage of Jesus, all the warts and all, the, the difficult people, the honest people, the, the good people, the bad people, everything is right there laid out for us showing us that it's not just about your lineage, about who you are today in God, right? And right here, we understand that he understands us because we have to view Jesus. In other words, and I've told people this personally, I don't think I've ever said this from the pulpit, but we have trouble seeing Jesus as a man because we need to understand Jesus probably got a rock in his sandal, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus was a carpenter. He probably smashed his hand with a tool, right? We, we, We sometimes don't See, it's not so hard to view Jesus as God because we all, I I hope everybody in here believes in him as God. That's salvation, right? Is to believe in the one the Father sent. Believe who he said he was and believe that he came to do what he said he would do. It's sometimes harder to see Jesus just, in other words, if you're filled with compassion and love, Jesus was there. Passionate about life, Jesus was there. Hungry for knowledge, meaning, and purpose, Jesus was there. Lonely and abandoned, Jesus was there. Tired, defeated, Jesus was there. Betrayed and rejected, Jesus was there. But there's a critical difference between Jesus and any common man, and this is number two today. Jesus is God. He's not only a man, but he's also God. He was born of a virgin. Now, stop for a minute and just think about that for a minute. He did not come from the seed of man he came from the conception that the holy spirit moved upon mary so he is fully divine 
and he's fully man. He's I've heard it said, and it's true. It's a theological term called the hypostatic union. He's just as much man as if he wasn't God, and he's just as much God as if he wasn't man. Jesus is eternally existent. You see this in the Old Testament. Their theological term number two called theophanies. Theophanies were pre-incarnate. Jesus showing up in human history in time, space, and matter, and he would show up. So he has eternally existed until, think about that for a minute, the God of heaven birthed in a, in, a, in a room where they laid him and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a stone manger to be protected and laid him there in that manger. And we oftentimes, the reason this is important to understand that Jesus is us, but Jesus is also God, is because man could not produce their own Savior. Man cannot produce. We have tried for thousands of years, and a lot of progressive people would simply tell you, well, we're going to work on equality, and we're going to work on this part, and we're going to work on that, and we're going to work on this. If, if everybody in the world could get to an economic place where they're not poor anymore, and if we could get to a place of this and a place of that, the only problem with that is we've had thousands of years of trying to fix it ourselves, and if anything, things are getting worse, not better which shows us that we cannot produce our own Savior. The story of Christmas is one that Jesus is us, but he is also God, and it had to be that way because only God could save his people. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And then Matthew extends two promises that I want to talk about. He's with us, and then it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And here's what I want to point out. He is with us now. Everybody say now. now. Again, it's easy to believe in Jesus in the past. It's maybe easy to believe that Jesus will return, and he will. But I want you to catch tonight that Jesus isn't just a God of the past, and he's not just a God in the future. He's a God that wants to help you now. God not only came to save his people back then, God shows up to save you every single day of your life. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you always. Everybody say always. Always. He's with you on your good day, church. He's, good. He's with you on your tough days. He was with me when I found out my dad had passed away after my heart broke in the afternoon that a friend had passed away. And then I found out my dad passed away. It was like a double whammy. Can I tell you that God has come to comfort the afflicted? That's the whole point of Christmas is that God has come to be with his people. He's with you now. He's with you at your side. If you're lonely, if you're broken, if you feel like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to Christmas. And let me tell you something, church. Again, I do more crisis counseling than I do the rest of the year combined in December. And uh, there's some people in this church that sit by you and they smile. They greet you. They hug you. And they're absolutely broken on the inside. They're absolutely struggling and broken. And to understand that God is with us. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, 
This is huge because you think of 2,750 years later, this is absolutely huge that he said that, that God, that this was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 7, that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. And why did God have the desire and need to be with us? That's a question I always ask myself. God, why? Why would you, why would you come and be us, fully God, fully man, but why would you have to come and be with us? For one very simple and very profound reason, in my opinion, all through the Bible, we didn't understand who God was. If you look at when Jesus shows up on the scene, they had literally had, in the, in the interim 400-year period between the book of Malachi and Jesus' arrival on earth where the announcement came, there was what we call the silent period. Theologians call that silent period between those times. And what had happened, and, and I believe this with all my heart, when we're not hearing from God, we usually make up our own rules. Your relationship with God is not about rules. It is literally about knowing who he is. The problem that they had, and this is religious people will do this to you often, if you're not following these rules, they're going to put about another 12 on you. And if you can't follow those 12, they had literally, listen to me, according to, to theology and according to all the rules that they could go back and find, they had put close to two to 300 extra laws on the people who were alive when Jesus was born, when it was announced that he will be Emmanuel, God with you. Very profound reason, but the reason that God finally came and showed up on the scene is simply this, that God, and it goes all the way back to the beginning, God, man falls, man sins, God, God had perfect communion with man, built him a beautiful garden, he said, hey guys, one thing, don't touch that tree. Don't partake of that tree. Don't, don't do that one thing, and we'll get to enjoy fellowship. We'll get to, well, what happens? Man falls. And the beauty of that story is God didn't just kick them out. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, which we do all the time. We try to cover ourselves with religion and activity and church attendance. And, God, I'm, I'm going to cover myself with this. And God's like, no, no, no. No blood, no forgiveness. So he sacrifices it. The first tailor and cobbler in history was God. Because God provided for them to be covered. And then it says God blessed them. So God wanted them to know and understand, but we never could get it. That God's desire was to commune and have fellowship and bless his people. Well, they were blessed and they go on about and they mess up again. God punishes them. They have consequences of the sin. The nation of Israel has the consequence. They do good for a while and then they mess up again. And then they have consequences. God then comes, punishes them, and actually sends them into exile. They never could get it. So God's like, okay, if you can't get it, I am going to show up, and I'm going to show you who I am and what I'm like. Isn't that a beautiful thought? The Emmanuel God with us was that God didn't, because they had heard that God cared. The, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were like, hey, God cares about you. Here's 300 laws to follow, right? God cares about you, but I have to pay taxes to the Romans. God cares and loves you, but my, my dad's passing away. God cares about you and loves you. In other words, there was a wall up. Those people had, they're like, yeah, God cares about me from a really far off distance, and I don't see the evidence in it, 
uh, in my life in the present moment. So God's like, okay, if I can't get through to them by blessing them, and if they follow me, they're blessed. If they choose not to follow me, then there's repercussions and bad stuff that happens. And God simply said, I am going to come and be with them. If you want to know what God is like, you look no further than Jesus Christ. You should never ask yourself, what is God like? Because it's right there in the Word of God. Because we don't just learn what God is like by reading the Scriptures. I know a lot of people that have memorized a lot of Scriptures, but it's never made its way down here into their heart. And what ends up getting into your heart when you spend time with God in His Word, because the truth is found in the Word, but an ex- a relationship with, with God is much more than just the Word of God. That's how I enter in and I begin to commune with Him. And God wasn't going to stay at a far-off distance. God said, if, 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 if they want to know what I'm like, I'm going to come and show them exactly who their God is. And is found in the face, in person, and in the, the, the awesomeness that is Jesus. It was like Leah, and I've mentioned this a few times and haven't talked real in-depth about it, but quite a few years ago, Leah and I felt led. We felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to us. As a matter of fact, in this, in, in, I don't think I've shared this part of it, but um, we were going to go to language school down in Mexico City. We wanted to get our Spanish really good and brushed up. And I was literally getting ready to buy the ticket to go to Cornavaca, Mexico. And it's a very wonderful language school where you immerse yourself. You live there and you speak nothing but Spanish. And Leah's Spanish was a whole lot better than mine. So I'm like, Leah, I need to do this so I can be better than you. That was my whole point. That was, I'm just telling you the selfishness in my heart. And I was getting ready to buy the ticket, and the Holy Spirit said, stop. I said, okay. Leah came back in the room about 10, 15 minutes later. Did you get our tickets? And I said, no. And she got a little upset. Why not? Why haven't you done this? So the Holy Spirit told me to wait. And right at that moment, our, my phone rang, and it was a missionary friend in Ecuador. He was born and raised there. His, his, his parents were incredible church planners and missionaries all over the country of Ecuador, very high esteem there at Ecuador. He was raised there, got married, went back there as a missionary. His parents had passed away. Chris Renali is his name. He's actually, believe it or not, told me one time he's preached at this church about 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm like, wow, what a small world. But he calls me. He says, hey, he said, you, I, you guys were on my heart. What's your next step? And I said, well, we're going to language school. He said, well, I got something better for you. I got an uh, orphanage down in Rio Bamba, Ecuador, and 32 kids. And would you and Leah want to go? And, and, boy, he painted this rosy picture. Just this. He did. He was like, he was like, oh, he said, they've got a staff that cooks and the missionaries have 12 kids. Four, three of them were adopted, so they had nine natural kids. They had three adopted kids. All of them as a family, the whole family of 15 had never, this is, this is decades, had never been back to Canada where they were from all together as a family. So they were trying to find somebody to come and basically run the orphanage for three months while they were going to go on furlough as a family. And I thought, Lord, you're setting me up because you just told me not to buy the ticket here. And now I've gotten this. It was clear as day. We both felt at peace. And I said, Chris, absolutely. Well, of course, 
when we got there, we arrived, and there's nothing like flying into a country, never met the people that we were getting in the car with, had only seen a little picture of both of them, and we flew into to Quito, Ecuador, get off the plane and start walking up there, and I don't even know who I'm looking for. He's got a little tiny sign that said, Jason Hanks held up. I walked past him like four times. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. Got in a Subaru Outback that had 426,000 miles on it and an exhaust leak. My wife is five months pregnant with our firstborn son at this point, and she's probably looking at me like, what did you do? And I'm like, it's him. It's him. It's him. It's, he did this. We drive four hours through the mountains of Ecuador, arrive at this place. I'm getting somewhere with this. It would have been easy for Lee and I to stay in Louisiana and from the distance of Louisiana to Ecuador say, we love you and we care about you kids. We love you and we care about you missionaries. But there's something about being with them. That didn't. It wasn't just lip service that I love you. If you look at the Christmas story, and I feel the Holy Spirit right now, if you look at the Christmas story and you ever doubt God's love, just hear a baby crying in the, in the middle of a night that's birthed, completely vulnerable, the very word of God, the very word. John says, hey, he's, a, he, he's before all things. He's the word of God, eternally existent. Shows up and the very word of God that spoke the galaxies that we look at all throughout the galaxy. He spoke this into existence. Couldn't speak until he was maybe one or two years old. And... When we got settled in there, I think it was about two weeks into the thing, and the missionary, and that was another thing. They were supposed to train us for like three weeks. They, if you ever are in other countries, just thank God as you walk out tonight you live in the United States of America, okay? I don't know how many of you travel and been in other countries. They all decided that they were going to um, go on strike. The workforce of Ecuador decided, when they go on strike in Ecuador, what they do is they take uh, tires, old tires, and they burn them on all the highways. So the missionary couples come to us and they say, hey, it's not going to be three weeks. We can't get out of here if we don't leave in three days. And they told us when we got there, well, we had to fire our staff. I'm like, this is just getting better and better. So you guys are going to have to cook. That's a whole other story. I'm, I'm getting, I'm deviating here. So they leave, but one of the main things that they told us and asked us not to do was to take in any, because the either social workers or the police, it was called the Ark Children's Home in Riobamba, Ecuador. You can Google it and look at pictures and stuff. And uh, they said, hey, while you guys are here, we have 32 kids. Do you know how much laundry 32 kids? I'm just starting to just, I'm like, sometimes I look at Leah, look at Leah and I'm like, what were we thinking? She's four or five months pregnant, and they leave, and... Two weeks into it, they told us, don't take in any kids. You guys aren't equipped for that. You don't know how to handle it. These kids have major problems when they come. And, y'all, two weeks into it, I hear a boom, boom, boom on the big gate at the, at the front of the orphanage. And it was a big gate that you opened to let cars in, and there was a smaller door that you opened, of course, to let uh, people in. So I unlocked that, and I opened There was two police officers, and there was two. I want to say they didn't know when they were born because we tried to ask them. They didn't even know when their birthday was because we had to take one to the doctor because he was playing soccer and I broke his arm or leg one. 
And the doctor's like, how old is he? And we're just looking, and he looked at her and he said, I don't know. They had been living on the streets at this point for look like years. The filthiest, dirtiest clothes, and their heads were just hung down like this. Wouldn't even look at us. And, man, I'm like, I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. I know I'm going to get chewed out by these missionaries for this. But if you think that Jason and Leah Hanks aren't going to say, come on in. And you see, what I experienced in those first couple of days was that there was a, there was a communication. You hear me? There was a, they spoke Spanish. We weren't super good. A few of the kids in the orphanage spoke excellent English, excellent Spanish. They were kind of our interpreters. We were killing two birds with one stone. We definitely immersed ourselves into the culture and the place. And I had to go grocery shopping in this little Subaru Outback. I didn't even know where I was going. If you go to other countries, sometimes they've got peanut butter. Sometimes they don't. It just depends on whatever's found around is in these little stores. And as I looked at them and tried to get and break down that wall, in other words, my point is, is that there was a huge wall between humanity and God. There was a communication problem because they were misunderstanding the nature and who God is. And I watched this whole thing play out because, again, it would have been easier for us to stay at a far distance and tell them, oh, tell them good luck and we love them. But there's something different about being with people and in the midst of their hardships and their difficulties and their their pains and their sorrows of just being with them that we need to grasp and understand here at this holiday season. You do not serve a God that was content with staying on a heavenly throne in, in heaven's hallways in the guarded by angels and seraphim and cherubim and the worship and the holy, holy, holy. He was willing to step down. And if we see anything at Christmas, Jesus being born where he was and around who he was, there is nobody that is too low, too despondent, or too far gone for God to say, I want to be with you too. I tell you, and I wouldn't plan on saying this, but about about four days into it, um, we, we had a service that Sunday, and I'd preach the service to the kids, and we'd feed them a great meal of oatmeal. I think we cooked out of that. Something that wasn't too wonderful or great, but they were appreciative of it. But I was preaching, and, and there was two of these young men, and they were hard. I mean, these guys had literally had to survive, maybe 10, 10 to 12 years old. And uh, we got them new clothes. We got them hot showers. I'm thinking, man, I told Leah, I said, it's probably been at least months, if not a couple years, before these kids have even been in a shower. The, the plumbers had just finished a bathtub right there in the house. And uh, the kids had never had a bath in their life, the kids at the orphanage, because they had showers. But the plumbers came in, they were redoing a section of the orphanage, and they, man, you should have seen those kids. They were just, I mean, one little guy named Freddie, he had taken soap and made a big mohawk in his hair, and he's splashing around, and they're like, Freddie, that's awesome, man. He's like, this is wonderful. Because people cared enough to come. Emmanuel is God with us because when we're walking through dark seasons, we don't feel his presence, we don't sense his presence. But church, I came to tell you tonight, he is God with us. Because he wanted his people when he came to know that, look, all these things that you've heard about me that I want to try to punt it. No, I want fellowship with you. I want you to know that there's a God who loves you and a God who cares and a God that's for you. And we're in that service and when I tell you that it still chokes me up to this day, 
one of those young men uh, gave the invitation to come to Christ. And one of the two, when he raised his hand, I'm talking tears were just pouring down his face. And I preached the true gospel that, listen, it doesn't matter what your past is. God has a future for you. And look, within a couple weeks, they were running around playing soccer and just all these beautiful things. Because God can change anyone's story if there are people that will show his love like we're supposed to. Why did God need and desire to be with us for one simple yet profound reason? We didn't understand who he was. We didn't. And the only way to understand who somebody is is to spend time with them, right? God with us. If you want to know what God is like, look no further than Jesus. Look no further than Jesus. I like the way one writer said it. In Christianity Today, there's an article by a man named Peter Larson. And here's what he said. He said, he says that God intrudes. God's an intruder. He came, he came through a no entrance. Right? A virgin woman named Mary. And then he came back through a no exit. You didn't come out of a grave. Amen? God is a God who intrudes. Listen, my point is, is that God is not going to leave you alone. And if, if you're out of line, God is going to be right there pulling you back into line. He's not a God who just finally shrugs his shoulders and say, well, they, they're too far gone. They messed up too bad. He's a, I told my, my son uh, just a few months ago because he was getting to that place of his age and his life where he's like, Dad, I just really want you and Mom to leave me alone. Anybody else have teenagers? And I got, I I was in the back part of the house. It was just he and I, and we were having a deep, heartfelt conversation about God, about Jesus, about issues in his life, about the direction he was heading. And I got up from where I was, and I walked right over to him and got down his face, and I said, I want to tell you something about this man and that woman, Leah Hanks, in there. I said, we are never going to leave you alone, ever. I said, because God never left me alone, and he's not going to leave you alone, because we have a God who, in the, 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 the story of Emmanuel is God will intrude, God will show up, God will come. That's who he is. And it's beautiful to think about that at this time of year. It's my favorite name of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Here's two things as we close tonight. Number one, Emmanuel, God with us. He comforts the afflicted. Aren't you thankful for that? It tells us in the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And again, wouldn't you agree with me that Christmas season is a magnifier? If you came in joyful tonight and you go back out, it's a magnifier. If you came in heavy and anxious and fearful, it magnifies. This season magnifies those things. And we're so full of hurt, we don't know what to do. And some people are lonely and they're, they're in a tough place and it, the things are magnified in their life. But God loves to comfort the afflicted. He loves to comfort those who are hurting. And I thought... God, if you love to comfort the afflicted, if you love to comfort those who are hurting, 
then how do you do it? And let me give you the scripture reference here before I wrap up here in a minute. Isaiah 66, 13. If you're taking notes, jot that down because this is so beautiful. It says, as a mother comforts her child, God says, so will I comfort you. Now, I got to thinking about how a mama comforts her kids. And it's beautiful. When my kids would fall down and skin their knee, they never ran to daddy. It was mama. I want mama to kiss it. I want mama to help me. I almost cut my finger off one time, right on this hand, right here. I almost cut my finger off. I went to Lee, and she's like, oh, you'll be all right. Tape it up. <laughs> Hudson got a kiss. <laughs> Y'all, I've seen my wife, not to be too gross with you, I've seen my wife catch vomit in her hand. Who does that? Mamas. Mamas okay. I've seen a pacifier drop on the ground, and there's nowhere to wash it off. Mama washes it off. Y'all, I've dropped a cheeseburger before, and Leah did not wash my cheeseburger off. Did not. Didn't care. God put that in Isaiah intentionally to show us a nature and a facet of God that God, when you're walking through difficulties, He will tangibly, in a very real way, when I lost my dad, when I lost a friend three years ago, I literally felt, I put on my car hearts, it was snowing outside, put on my car hearts, I went and pulled a chair outside, and I was so brokenhearted, like any of you would have been losing your dad. Suddenly, he'd been sick and ill. But unexpectedly of, hey, come get him tomorrow. You guys will be able to spend some time with him before you head back to Florida to your dad has now passed away of a massive heart attack during the night. Unexpected. And I sat there and my car hearts watching the snow with tears strong. And I literally felt God come. So sometimes, y'all, and I know you do this too if you got kids. Sometimes I just hug my kids and pull them up tight because I literally just, I feel God in that. Because God is somebody who comforts the afflicted. That's point number one. He comforts the afflicted. But church, let me tell you something else that he does. He afflicts the comfortable. Are you hearing me? God doesn't just comfort the afflicted. He will afflict the comfortable. You say, where does that happen in the Bible? Well, he runs across a rich man at one time and he says, what do I lack for salvation? He said, well, go sell everything you own. And come follow me. Give to the poor and come follow me. And he went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. He not only came to comfort the afflicted, he does not want us to get comfortable in our relationship with him that we're not growing, that we're not sacrificing, that we're not laying things down, that we're not moving forward. Because he didn't just come to comfort the afflicted, he came to afflict the comfortable. You say, where else does it say that? Well, if somebody asks you to walk one mile, you walk two. Jesus said, oh, you gave you the shirt off your back. Don't just give him your shirt. Give him your coat too. Uh, somebody pecks you, slaps you on the cheek. What do you do? You turn the other cheek. That will afflict the comfortable in the day and age that we live in. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus coming is the word of God, the expression, everything God wanted to say. And, and like the Bible says, and this should just blow our minds, that John said, if, if everything that he said and did was written down, all the libraries in the world couldn't have held it. There's so much, but everything that we need to know about who our Heavenly Father is, is written right there in your Bible. And he not only came to comfort the afflicted, he came to afflict the comfortable at times. When we get comfortable in our relationship with him, when we get a little stagnant, 
when we're not living up to what the kingdom of God says, it means to be a kingdom person, which if you read the Beatitudes, if you read all the way through those, that's what living in the kingdom's like. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. It's impossible to live that way apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's impossible to have a relationship with God except for being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, in 2024, and I'm going to put a little plug in here. In 2000, I've, I've never, in all my years of ministry now, whether being a missionary, being associate pastor, now pastoring here for seven years in April, I have never, ever felt the weight and the, the leading and the unction and the force of the Holy Spirit than to teach on theology and doctrine in 2024, Okay. And listen, theology isn't just something you memorize so you got a lot of knowledge. Listen, theology is something you live out every single day of your life. And who you believe God to be absolutely affects how you treat people, how your family relationships are. All the areas of your life can be traced back to who you believe your Heavenly Father to be. And I feel this unction because, and, and I hope you're blissfully aware of the, unaware of this, blissfully unaware of this. I hope you are. Because I keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the church in a, in, a, in a bigger way. Not just church in America, but church worldwide. And I'm telling you right now, there is, there is a very strong divide coming. And what I mean by that is there's a certain theme and stream of theology that is just exploding that I, I believe is leading people. Because I've, I've said for years, I'm like, oh, there's... There's a lot of different types of beliefs, especially coming to Christian Center Church with the area we live in, people moving in. They've come from that church, and they've come from that background. They've come from this background. And I know full well, because the Holy Spirit's warned me, as I begin to teach on these things, I'm going to lose people in this church. But I also know i got to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So in the new year, especially for the first few months, one thing that we're going to talk about right off the get-go is I'm going to explain, do my best, Lord help me. Because I can't even say I fully. I, anybody that comes to you and says with their theology, I know exactly this is it. Run. <laughs> there's so much that this man does not know. But there are there is a lot that I do. And there's a few streams that are breaking off in Christianity that I will not allow any of you to get caught up in. Okay? And I'm going to teach on these things. I'm going to teach on God's sovereignty from the get-go. How God is sovereign and he exists and has been eternally existent outside of time, space, and matter. And time, space, and matter is what was created by God. And that's why he can enter into it and he can come out of it. He can change things. Literally, God controls all of reality. That's why as you sit here tonight and understand God is with us, God controls everything. But it doesn't mean that everything that happens is God. Are you hearing me? There's a there's a stream that flows out there that why God break my leg? Well, you fell. Are you hearing me? Okay. Why don't why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? So I'm I, especially in the new year. I'm going to teach on some basic doctrines. But here's what I want to stand with me tonight, and I'll pray over you. But God with us, not against us, not apart from us, not God apathetic towards us but God with us. Amen? Amen. And listen, when you wake up Christmas morning, I want that to be the first thought as you celebrate that day. But I want to tell you something, and you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. 
you know, we say, and I, I've heard people get offended over, you know, well, bless God, if they don't say Merry Christmas, I ain't ever going back there. They say Happy Holidays. You realize that holidays literally means Happy Holy Days. Okay? Okay. Let's just clear that up. I get, I don't even get remotely offended because I actually say, oh, thank you, Happy Holy Days, because Monday will be a holy day for me, and so will Wednesday. And so will January 22nd. And so will February 14th. And so will March 18th. And so will July 4th. And so will September. You hear me? Because Christmas isn't our only holy day. Every day of your life is to be holy to God because God is with you. He's right there. He's your light in your darkness. He's your peace in the storm. He's your joy in the trouble. And he's your strength when you're weak. Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Emmanuel, God with us. He came from heaven to earth to show us who God is and to show us the nature of our heavenly father. Can we bow our heads and thank him for that tonight? Jesus, thank you. Help us have a heart of gratitude, love, and appreciation. God, that you would come from heaven to earth, that you would live a spotless, sinless. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's good news for all people that you came to show us who our Heavenly Father is. Heavenly Father, I pray now over this wonderful congregation, that during this season our eyes would be focused on your goodness and not the darkness. It would be focused on the light and not the darkness. It would be focused on the fact that you truly are with your people. And, God, there's nothing that could befall us but that does not in your grand sovereignty and scope is conforming us to the image of Christ. So tonight, Lord, we celebrate Emmanuel this season. We celebrate the fact that you are right by us, helping us, leading us, guiding us, protecting us, and watching over us, strengthening us. I pray that strength from the Holy Spirit would be in and upon your people tonight, Father, that we would leave here with a a spring in our step and joy in our heart, not because anything has changed externally, but that internally we could have peace that passes all understanding. So, Father, I bless Christian Center tonight. Father, I pray they are blessed as they've come in and blessed as they go out. That, Lord, as we gather together on Christmas Eve to lift up your name, you would bring us back all safely at the appointed time. Father, watch over us, protect, and guide us. And above all, give us a special sense that you are with us. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. Continue to pray for Israel as they fight demons.